Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 30. My guest today is uh, Matt Holt. Matt is a 20-year veteran of uh, stand-up comedy. We recently worked together and uh, had a good time and had some great conversations. And, and every, you know, when you've got almost 40 years of comedy between the two of you, um, we would talk for like six hours, four hours after shows, you know, just in the kitchen. And we didn't record any of that shit. <laughs> and uh, anyway, how you doing, Matt? Where are you driving today, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I bet. It was, you know, it was funny. We had a we had a good week together, and uh, I enjoyed talking to you. And and every every night when we would say that about recording the show, and then I and I was like, you know, you always feel like you have more time, especially when you start on a Wednesday. It's like I oh, will do it tomorrow. I oh, will do it tomorrow. Well, then Saturday rolls around, and uh, and right before we're getting ready to do it, I noticed that my eyes are all weird, and I know that I'm going to get a migraine because I've been getting them since I was ten years old. And I'm like, "Fuck, man!" We <laughs> and then we we had two shows, and then you had to leave, so we had all this time to do a, a podcast live in the in the uh, comedy condo, and instead uh, we never fucking did it. And then I got a migraine. And did you say you used to get migraines? Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I wonder if it's. Uh, I wonder if it's stress related. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm that stressed out. I mean, you know. Yeah. Why do you say you weren't a good employee? pretty lucky when I started out uh, doing comedy I worked at a restaurant and they they knew that I wanted to do comedy for a living and uh, so they let me off any chance I got any chance I got a gig they knew that I was gonna 
you know, I would give them like no notice at all, hardly that I wasn't going to be coming to work. And, and one of my, I dated one of the managers for a while. So she, uh, she helped me out in that respect too. And, and I, I was, I, I worked hard and wherever I worked, I was, I think I was a pretty hard worker whenever I wanted to, but I was a terrible employee. Like if there was a loophole, I was going to find that motherfucker and jump through it. I mean, like I worked at a grocery store and I, I used to steal the, I used to take coupons that I would find on the floor for like a dollar off and I'd stick them into my register and I'd take a dollar out. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that is hardcore. Well, and I, I would, I didn't do, I didn't do that all the time, but if I was like really broke and I was going on a break or something and I was starving, I would, I would pull that. And I, when I worked at Hy-Vee, I worked at a, uh, this, this big, uh, grocery store called Hen House in Kansas City and I would, uh, um, I, I was like 16, and you can't give that kind of power to a 16-year-old, because I was a checker, and I would just, when if you were a friend or family, or if I even barely knew your ass, I would just, I mean, I would give you gro I would give you hundreds of dollars of groceries for a few dollars. I mean, I'm not proud of it now, because I realize, oh, that's somebody's livelihood. <laughs> but, it, but it was this ginormous grocery store and uh i i they finally caught me like i was giving away like a pack of gum or something to a friend of mine for the price of i don't know or a can of skull or some shit and they finally caught me but I, I was like man looking back on it i'm like if you guys had any idea the amount of shit i gave away <laughs> i oh, probably it's the same thing i worked at a grocery store in high school and it was the same kind of thing for a while, I was working the midnight shift, so I'd go in at like 10 o'clock at night and work until 7, like 6 in the morning, and it was, it was chaos. <laughs> stuff was going out of that store, and what was going on inside the store was incredible. Like, it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Yeah, one time, one summer, um, or over Christmas break, rather, um, a friend of mine, my best friend from, from high school, we went to college together. And we came home for Christmas break, and we worked at this place. It was a ham company, and there were so many people in there. It was all these college kids, and no one knew, none of the employee, employers knew anybody's name. And once Brian and I figured that out, we would just start, we would go in, and we would clock in, and then we would just kind of sneak out the back door, and then we'd go to his house and, like, smoke pot and play Nintendo and then we, and then we, and then we go back a few hours later and clock out. And we did that for a while. And then we finally, one day we showed up and our time cards weren't there. And I guess like, we were like, I guess we got fired finally. But <laughs> oh wow, we did know, we did that we for a while. We had uh, Tino's Pizza was giving away a BMX bike, so it was on top of the freezer. And there was one night when I was at midnight, me and the other guy that I worked with. We decided we were going to have fun with the bike, so we pulled the bike down, and we put, you know, the little hand basket, the shopping basket, to carry around. We went to one of those under the front end of ours, and then we went through and made a list of one item out of every pile, and that was the list, and we had to go through, ride the bike through the store, and get every item, and then whoever got back to the front door in the fastest time, they got free breakfast when we got off work the next day. So we did that, and we were destroying the store. I mean, no one was in there because it was like 2 in the morning. Destroying the store. I mean, like, leaving skip marks everywhere and knocking down the front backs all this. So I'm, I'm, it's my turn, and I'm kicking ass. And when I'm like, around the corner, 
down the front of the store. Coming in the automatic doors was the vice president of operations for the, for the chain. Doing, he was doing a night visit and walked in on us. And I don't know how the fuck I got out of trouble for this, but I gave him some bullshit story and he never reported it. I have no idea why. But it was awesome. That that was that was him just probably remembering some dumb shit he had done when he was a kid and giving you a pass on it. Sounds like to me because I hope so. Because <laughs> he was a hard ass. Like he was the guy that would come in and you know if, if we didn't have our name tag was crooked on our apron or something, he would write you know write us up. But he was just a hardcore guy. But that particular night, he was all, all he did. He just stood there. I come back one up with all this shit in it. And he goes, uh, anyone in the store? And I said, no, Don. And he goes, all right, clean this shit up before you guys clock out. And he just turned and walked away. And it was like a 45-minute drive back to where he lived. So he drove specifically for that and just turned and left. Well, that was your, uh, that, that, that was, that was, um... Part of that—that's part of why you're a good comedian. You have a natural likability, and sometimes you just get away with shit when you have when you have that, you know. And and it's uh, it's something that can't be taught in comedy. And you either have it or you don't, you know. Um, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, Brian Brian Burgess. Uh, I don't know. You probably don't know him. He hasn't done comedy in quite a while, but he was. Uh, there's a story about him being in a condo. Him and Kathleen Madigan. Kathleen Madigan was telling me the story. And they were like the openers, and the headliner was like, "Aren't you guys gonna?" Or he was the feature, and they were the he, they were the opener, and Brian was the headliner, and uh, and the guy was like, "Aren't you guys gonna work on your acts?" And he's like, "We don't need to. We've got likability." <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I oh, really do. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm sure that I, I know I have. I, I know you've worked with people that just had zero likability, and you just. I don't know why I would want to work that hard. I mean, if you have to work that much, you get the current. This is, I mean, this is a tough job anyway. Yeah. And if you don't have that going for you, it's going to be miserable. Man, that's a good point. Because I see some guys that, that do comedy that, God bless them, they suck. And they've been doing it for yeah. years. And they just suck. And, and, and I think to myself, I'm pretty good at this. And I want to kill myself about half the time. <laughs> so if you suck at it like how would that be but that's just a different kind of mentality i think like there's a lot of guys in this business that 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 will say man i killed and you want to go no you didn't did you not hear what i heard and in la is the worst man i saw a girl came off stage the other day at the comedy store not too long ago it was like a friends and family part of the show or something and she went up and just ate shit. Like, if I ate it that hard for ten minutes, it would probably fuck with me for days. Like, she ate it that bad. And she came off stage and had no idea. She I overheard her say to a friend, I really needed that. That was great. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't... You know, it's just like... It's just like, we. you know, we've both been doing it for... You've been doing it for 20 years. I've been doing it for almost 19, so... That's a long fucking time, and it, it you you do see why, like when you're starting out, you hear that term bitter comic, and you're like, well, what's that about? And then you do it for 20 years, and some guy comes along, and they want to do it, but they don't have any respect for it, and it they don't want to learn how to do it at the, the finer points, and 
why why your time matters and all the little shit that we know matters that they just think you're being nitpicky if you you know if you're like hey man if you're gonna light me light me consistently at 35 minutes don't light me at 31 night and four, 39 the next night it's all timing and it's supposed to be done right we've all got a job here to do if your job is to light me then just fucking light me at the right time it's not that goddamn hard <laughs> you know Yeah. So when it gets to be that time, that's when they light us. And we may have only been on stage for, you know, a third of the time that we were supposed to be, but they're just looking at whatever time they have in their head. And that, honest to God, I can, I can handle any distraction that comes my way. But give me a light at the wrong time can completely throw me off my game. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah because like you said, it's all timing, and if... If the and it, and if you're doing material that you plan on doing when the checks drop, and then now they're dropping them five minutes early, so now you're doing you know it just throws everything off. And as professionals, we can do it and figure it out in our head, and no one knows. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the best possible show, and it doesn't make it the best. You know, it's just like if you do your job, if everyone does their job, <laughs> you know, it just it just makes it better, and and MCs that care and figure and learn intros and and all that shit, you know. Like my intro is ten words long. Headlines nationwide. Look for them on Netflix or Comedy Central. Please welcome Tim Gaither, and they will fuck that up. So I mean, nine times out of ten, they try to add shit to it and 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 flare it up, so to speak. And I'm like, no, motherfucker, just say what I told you to say. You know, it's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I agree because I say my intro is uh, the USO. What that means is that I've done shows that have benefited the USO. I've, I've done shows for Wounded Warrior Project. I've done shows for Helping Hands for Freedom. But everyone knows the USO. Right. So, and I tell people, but I have not gone overseas. And then MCs will almost always say, this guy is, has, has won overseas for our troops numerous. No, I haven't. But yep. do not say that. That's Yeah. 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 And don't and don't call me Timothy Gaither to bring me on stage just because uh, oh some some girl set up my Facebook years ago, like when Facebook first started. So I didn't do it, and uh, and and I didn't even. So she had to use Timothy. So it, it's weird to me when people introduce me as that. I'm like, man. I go by Tim, and if you would have fucking asked me, you'd know that. <laughs>
just look and turn and look and see when the flashlight lit that that meant the comic was wrapping up. Yeah. I, I knew all that shit. I knew all the ins and outs. And amazingly, how many of our peers don't know, don't know what the light means now because they fucking go on every time they report. But so many new comics, or not even new comics, just other comics in the business, have no understanding of how this business really works. And it, it, I don't know how you survive if you don't know. Yeah, well, a lot of people think that a lot of a lot of comics these days think that light means wrap it up whenever you're done, whenever you're ready. And it's like no, there, there's a when the light comes on, there's a specific amount of time. Like at the comedy store, when the light comes on, you're supposed to have three minutes left. And I see people pull their notebooks out at that point, and I'm like, no, motherfucker, you had your time to do that. It's over now. You got to wrap this shit up so the next guy can come up. But they don't do that. They'll stay up there for another twelve minutes, and I'm like, that's a big swing. If every comic goes over 9 to 12 fucking minutes, you know how much longer this night's going to take and how shitty the crowd's going to be by the time the poor bastard goes up at 1 a.m.? He's supposed to go up at 1 a.m. and now it's 2.30 because every dickhead in here has gone over by 10 minutes. It's, you know, it's just... Exactly. Go ahead. Well, then that guy who goes over, the guy that goes over like 9 minutes and he's trying to swing his dick about, he's the first guy that would get up and have all of a sudden, like, fucking... Uh, Corey Scoble showed up at the comedy store and he gets bumped and Lloyd of Corey does 15 minutes and takes your time with He's the first guy to get shitty about losing his time but doesn't give a fuck about going over on something else. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that a million times or I, I, I went, I... I never go over, it's just not something I really do and, I mean, occasionally, you know, shit happens and one night I went over by like two minutes and and I'm not going to mention who, what his name is, but he went fucking ballistic about it. It was because he had to follow me, and I was having a really good set. And I can tell the difference between, you know, I could tell what he was pissed off about. He was like, I don't want to follow this guy. And, oh, now he went over by two minutes. You know, I was just like, take it easy, buddy. You're okay. You know, I mean, we're not trying to sound like Nazis about this shit. It's just that it, it, it's, it's, it's comedy at the end of the day, but it's also, there's just so many details that, that need to be respected for it to be as good a show as it can be. And and when people don't even give a fuck about that, I, I don't even want to be on the show with them. I'm like, you know what? If you think I'm being a diva because I say, hey, man, don't go over three minutes every show. It throws the whole set off or what, you know. If you don't understand that and you want to be a dick about it, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree 100%. There's not enough respect for the art. And, you know, people... I know people laugh whenever they hear someone say art of comedy, but that's what it is. Yeah. You know? And if you, if you can't respect it, then I have a hard time respecting you. Yeah, I read a book called Zen, Zen in the Art of Stand-Up Comedy when I was first starting out. And, and it was, you were talking about knowing things before you even went on stage. And yeah, do a little research. Find out how much time the MC is supposed to do. Find out how much time a feature does. Find out how much time the, the headliner does and what those jobs entail. And go watch your open mic at your club a few times before you even get on stage. And find out how much time you're supposed to do. And try and get that three minutes down if it's just three minutes or whatever. I heard someone say, is three minutes? Is that a long time? And I'm like, yeah, if you're eating shit, it's a hell of a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I went and watched the open mic at my own club for six months before I ever even signed up to the open mic. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that I knew everything. Like, I knew, I knew who all the local comments were. I knew who the regulars were. I knew what their best jokes were. I knew, I knew everything about that 
jumped my butt out on the bike. And then I went into it, and I was pretty well prepared. And it wasn't that hard, but it didn't matter. But now it seems like people, it doesn't matter to you. They just think, like, I used to book BMCs for my home. And, you know, I would tell all the people, I mean, by the way, you know, you're a local comic in this town, so you can come and watch the regular shows for free. You should come and watch and see how the show operates. Yeah, and, so many people wouldn't come and watch the shows, and when it came back to me to break a new MC, I sure I was definitely not going to bring in a new MC that didn't even ever come in to watch a pro show. Yeah, like, I wanted someone who was interested in how the how the business worked, because that way I knew it was going to be handled the correct way, and and they would just get shitty. We were like, well, I'm funny, how come I'm not getting MC? Well, because you don't seem like you give up what I get spot. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I completely understand what you mean by that, and uh, I, I dang it, well, I had a point that I that I lost. Um, oh, part of the reason I think, and I sound like I'm a hundred every time I bitch about this, but and part of the problem with fucking social media and YouTube and all that shit is, in large part, you can kind of skip those steps and get famous, and and people, and that's all people really want to do anymore. They don't give a fuck about learning how to be good at stand up because these days. You don't really have to be good at stand-up to be a draw. That's not a big deal. That's not the most important thing anymore. And it's just... And, uh, you know, my listeners probably get tired of hearing me bitch about this. But fuck, it's frustrating to get good at stand-up comedy and then people be like, yeah, that's not really the most important thing anymore. To be funny and to be good at what you do. And it's like, well, goddamn. <laughs> isn't that... Isn't, you know, that's just... I can't help it. That's frustrating when 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 you see that... You know, so many great comics in this country li literally getting driven out to sea because that's the only place or, or one of the few places that people, that comics get what they deserve, get as far as money and all that shit, you know. But they don't want to be there. Co comics don't want to be on cruise ships for the most part. Comedy clubs are so much more fun than cruise ships or corporate or any of that shit, but it's, it's become so much harder... Um, I, I don't know. We should probably go to a different... No, you're exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, and it's, you know, you're talking about how people can become like internet stations and all that kind of shit. It, it's like taking... It, it's like if you took the worst possible ketchup, if you made the worst possible ketchup in the world, it was thin and runny and it tasted sour and everything, but if you put it in the best package possible and all of a sudden people stop buying Heinz, because they were going after this shit that they knew was inferior, but it looked better. That's what comedy's turned into. Yeah. It's, the, the quality of the product is not being presented to the audience as it should, because there's something bright and shiny that's more appealing for whatever reason. And the thing is, those people that come to the clubs to see those celebrity acts, if they don't have a strong feature in front of them, those people are going to see a subpar show, and they probably don't come back to that club until the next celebrity. They're not building, they're not cultivating a, an audience at all. Yeah. Well, Whereas, if someone comes to see Tim Gaither, they're going to have a good time, and they're going to be like, you know what, you never come to this place before. This was a good night. We should come back next time, regardless of whether we know the person or not, because this was a good time. Yeah, some of the club, some of the comment cards at the week and the week we had together when I was getting paid. I was reading some of them, and, and more than a few were like, this is the best show I've ever seen here. And, you know, and that's that's because they had two 
fucking headliners on one show, and you know they 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 if if they were paying attention, they were gonna laugh at every fucking thing we said, and you know because we we designed it that way, you know, and and we didn't have great crowds to deal with either. We were working. Yeah, well, that Saturday was pretty damn good. I enjoyed the Saturday. Yeah, I um, agree with you. But yeah. Um, we, we, we did have to definitely work and we had, uh, uh, <laughs> we, we, we <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, we're, we're being kind of negative. What's still your favorite part? myself of that all the time because I, I you know it's it's easy sometimes to make it about yourself but it is it is a um you know it's a pretty noble thing really to be able to make people laugh and and take them and and i i forget i do forget about that sometimes that it's not just about making them laugh it's like fuck you could seriously be preventing someone from killing themselves and and i and i you know, like, I've heard stories of that, and I've had people tell me how depressed they were, and they came, and they learned how, they, they, they laughed again for the long, the first time in a long time, and, and that kind of thing, and, and, you know, that sounds kind of cavalier, but seriously, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, you don't know what's going through their fucking head, and, uh, if you can help them that way, you know, it, it's not all about us all the time, it's, it's, it is... Like, I'm trying to fuck your daughter or something. 
And he goes, and he goes well, first of all, that's never going to happen. He goes, and secondly, no, I'm enjoying myself. And I go, okay, and I kind of left him alone. So the show's over. This guy's the last person to leave. One, or one of the last people to leave. And I'm like, oh, he's going to take a swing at him. What's going to happen? And the guy walked up to me and he goes, hey, I just want to thank you. This was one of the best nights I ever had. And I go, are you serious? I go, really? It's one of the best? He goes, yeah. He goes, let me explain. I just retired. It was, this was in San Antonio, is where this was. I just retired from the Marine Corps uh, five days ago. I said, oh my God, congratulations. Because don't congratulate me. It wasn't my decision. Uh, I was told that I needed, was kind of forced into retirement uh, because of uh, an issue, or because of an incident. What was the incident? He was, he was in, and he was deployed. He was over in like Afghanistan or something. And the motorcade he was in, got hit by some kind of a mortar or something, and his vehicle he was in was destroyed, and three of the people that were in his vehicle were blown to bits and killed. He was the only survivor. Wow. And he, on his phone, he showed me the picture of the wreckage that he was in, and he said, you know, I've been turning my life back to normal. And I came out tonight to kind of try to forget my worries and move things into a positive direction. He goes, and I gotta tell you, you did that in a big way for me. And I said, oh my God, it's so great. I put my hand out to shake his hand. He goes, I don't shake people's hands. That changed my life. And he salutes me. Wow. And then he, then he like pat on the shoulder and he said, keep doing what you're doing because it makes a difference. And he walked out. And then I cried for about 10 seconds. Wow. Yeah. It's eye opening. Yeah. It's eye opening, you know, that that you know, and I have to remind myself of that too because Shit, I can be enjoying something, and I'm not a laugh out loud person that often. You've got to really—it's—it's it's got to really hit me the right way to make me laugh. You know, I can appreciate funny without, or I can watch somebody and be like, "Yeah, they're good," and then you know, watch them for one or two minutes, and that be enough for me, and I'll walk the fuck out and be like, "Hey, you're a good comic," even though I didn't watch the next 28 minutes or whatever. Um, you know, it just depends. Um, so I, I get that, and, and I have to remind myself of that, that, that you, just, you just do what you do the way you do it, and if it's good and you know it is, then even if the crowd doesn't respond the way you're used to them responding, that doesn't mean they're not having a good time. Some of those shows I'll sell the most merchandise. Um, you know, it, it's just, you just never know. So you just do what you do the way you do it, and once you become a pro, like, even in our, even the shows we did, um, there was one in particular where I just felt anxious the first like 15 minutes I was up there, and I recorded it. And if you watch it, you can't tell. You have no idea that it that I didn't feel comfortable inside for whatever reason, um, because I still did what I do the way I do it, and that's and that's experience. You know, like if if you don't have that experience, that's why if you do a YouTube thing and you're a big big shot, well. You, you're going to come across a show where you just eat shit and they don't know how to respond to that. They'll have to just bail, you know. They'll just have to get off stage. Um, 
So there is there is value in it. I, I did want to kind of switch gears a little bit and ask what you thought about this whole uh, uh, Vegas thing. Um, you know, man, I've been watching I've been watching a little bit of uh, news. It's hard to know what the fuck it even. It, it's hard to know what to believe anymore. Um, so I've heard all these different accounts, and I've I've heard that the chances of it being one guy are kind of. Uh, I don't know if it's possible that it was just one guy, and especially one guy in his 60s that had never... I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I watched... Um, I, I, had, I had cable news on most of the whole day yesterday, kind of absorbing the whole thing, and um, I don't know. I, I don't even know. It's, it's one of those things where I think we are as a country right now because all of a sudden... It's so stupid! You know, now it's, see any value and I don't know why they ever tell us the shooter's name or their or their fucking reasons really because their reasons are invalid it's it's not a you know like like when that guy shot up the the place and claimed and, and blamed it on race I'm like and and then and then they have to be like hate in America and I'm like don't don't make that piece of shit be the representative for 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 you know any any large amount of Americans, I mean, that piece of shit, or any of them like them, I, I don't, I don't see the value. Why do we ever know their names? Who fucking cares? You can tell us. You can even tell us why they did it and how they did it, and everything about it, and never tell them their name. And you can't tell me that wouldn't be, um, that wouldn't help uh, people who have no people who do this shit have no nothing good in their lives obviously or you know or, or they feel that way so any kind of recognition even if it's for something so heinous is you know that's got to be a motivating factor for them i would think and what i what i was saying about what's that buddy And I think that we're so, it's so not 
and a little a little bit of ignorance can go a long way from helping the earth from having us go down a path of just becoming a more hateful society. Yeah, I mean you kind of touched on it. I mean, five hundred over five hundred people. Um, it, yeah, there we go. Um, over five hundred people. You think about the fucking ripple effect of over five hundred people getting shot. I mean, not a, not just killed, but you know, some of those people are never going to walk again, and and just the the Im, the impact on so many people. And no matter how you feel about gun control, why the fuck is someone able to get those kind of weapons? You don't need those for any goddamn thing at all. At all. I just don't... And and it should be at least harder. At least harder to get a gun. I mean, I've seen like documentaries where you can basically, if you don't have a criminal record or whatever, or a major criminal record, you can just walk in and just buy like Rambo shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, shit if somebody wants to be into guns or whatever but it's just never been something for me um i mean i enjoy i still shoot a bb gun all the time at cans in my backyard like a little kid but uh it's really fuzzy for some reason i don't know it sounds like you're on a damn cb <laughs> can you hear me yeah i heard you okay Yeah, I mean, so other than that, I'm not really into guns. And one day, my friend and I went to a shooting range in Nebraska. My best friend from high school, we went to a shooting range, and I shot a, uh, a one of those pump-action shotguns. And man, just shooting at a target made me feel kind of off. You know, like, God, just thinking about what that could do to someone and, and how someone could walk into a fucking building and just... With a shotgun like that, I mean, I can't. It just—it was so powerful. It, it didn't do anything for me. Like, like, oh, that was awesome. I was like, it, it was like, get this fucking thing away from me and keep the business end away from you know, like, <laughs> you know, like you can. It's just—it's just not my thing. And hunting's not my thing. Like, I know a lot of people that hunt deer and and hunt quail and all this kind of shit. And if that's what they want to do, fine. But the idea of stalking a poor deer and shooting it and Thinking that you're doing something, 
What are you doing? Being patient and quiet? I don't. It, it's it's not sporting to me. I just uh, you know it's murder. And I know that might be sound you know like oh I'm a snowflake or whatever, but fuck off. It's just murder to me. It's, and it's an animal, but it's still murder. It's like oh look at that beautiful creature. I heard somebody the other day write like I love hunting deer. I love seeing like a a baby deer and then and then letting it go and then in three or four years seeing what's become. So you can fucking murder it and put it on your wall. You know it's just. I don't know, man. So it, it's a mentality that it's just, it's hard to, if you're not, if that's not of your mentality, it's kind of hard to get, because I wouldn't give a shit if there were no guns anywhere. We could be like fucking England. Bill Hicks had that great bit where he's talking about like, uh, like the, the cops going around with billy clubs, and he's like, stop, <laughs> stop, or I'll say stop again. Right, <laughs> exactly. But you know, like, so, okay, my, my apartment got broken into about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time was, was was staying with me that night, and in my second bedroom, her, her son, who was like four years old, was there. I woke up the next morning to go to work, and um, I walked, when I walked into the living room, or into the kitchen, I noticed my screens had been cut, and they cut the screens, they jimmied my window open, they stepped into my dining room, and within an arm's reach, they were able to take... My laptop, her laptop, my, you know, camera, everything was running around the dining room that I'd been working on some stuff. They swept all that up, and they left. It probably took less than three minutes to get in, get out, and get everything. So, all of a sudden, I've never been burglarized before, and it's horrific, and I'm trying to come to terms with it. I had a couple friends who were like, you know, you really, you need to have some kind of protection. I go, like a baseball bat? They said, no, you need like a... A gun for home protection. And I started listening to these guys. And I went to a gun show. There had to be a gun show in Indianapolis that week. I went to this gun show. And this guy was trying to sell me a shotgun. Like a, like a pistol-handled shotgun. So I'm, and I'm holding it. And he's got, you know, he had me you know, doing the, the pump action on it. And just like you said, I did that and I heard that ratchet sound. Mm-hmm. And I got sick to my stomach. I was like, I'm not a gun guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. I, just, I, I was like, I'll, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to go down this path because it's not who I am. I respect anyone that wants to have guns and have them. That's fine. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I would have been a terrible... There's no way I could be in, like, war or any of that shit. I would have been one of those guys that, like... They, they say a lot of soldiers, like, in World War Two and shit, they would shoot at the enemy, but... A lot of times they would just kind of shoot over their heads because they. A lot of them didn't want to. It, it, you know, it's mur- it's murder. However you want to slice it, it's war or whatever. You're still killing another human being, and that cannot be fucking easy. And that's why it takes a special kind of person to be able to. Um, and I mean, and I say special in a you know loose term. Um, you know, to be able to or- to orchestrate strikes on on other countries and shit, and be like, "Yep, go ahead and send those bombs." I mean, you're you're literally murdering thousands of fucking people just with your order. And uh, it, 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 you know, it's one thing to say that, but that shit would be hard to hard to do, at least for most people. You know, it's, it's really interesting to me because, like, my dad was in World War Two, so I mean, my my dad was old. My parents were old when they had me because I'm the youngest of eight kids, so. My mom was 41 and my dad was 46, I think, when they had me. And so my dad was in World War II, the best year. And you know, he never, ever talked about the war. Yeah. Like, I would ask, he passed away when I was 13. 
genius. So I didn't, I didn't have a lot of like grown up conversations with him. But the few that I did have, I would try to ask him, and he just wouldn't. He never talked about it. And you know, I wrote a one man show that I did two, two and a half, three years ago that was all about my father and about his influence on me, on me being a comic. And I talk a lot about the fact that I can't imagine what you know what his twenties were when he was in France and Italy going through fields with a rifle, like, I don't, I assume he, he had to kill people, and he certainly saw people get killed, or he may have seen his best friend get shot next to him, and then he had to live with that, and had to come home and have a family, and I, I just can't imagine the weight that that it has for somebody. Like, me imagining it makes me heavy-hearted. I can't imagine if you're the person that has to act that out. I don't know how you live with it. Well, and think of how, and I'm not, I'm not knocking soldiers of today by saying this, but back, back then, all they had were like those little helmets, and they didn't have Kevlar, and they didn't all that shit. You were just out there, man, and like those guys that stormed the beach at Normandy, just knowing, just standing there, knowing that you're probably going to fucking die, or the, or at least at the very, at the very best, your best friend next to you is gonna fucking die. Before you even step off the damn boat, as soon as that thing drops, like in that 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 Saving yeah. Private Ryan, that first scene, that shit was, yeah. that shit to me was like, god damn. I mean, the balls that would take when they show those guys puking. I would have been that guy. I would have been puking my ass off. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole idea. I mean, that, that 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 to me is the most powerful opening scene of any movie in history. Yeah. different generation my wife's my wife's um father or grandpa was in world war ii and she said that he never he never spoke about that shit either you know yeah i think it's just normal like, you know one reason i think you guys might have talked about this in in uh Hood rock but my one of my biggest goals in comedy is i want to go overseas and form the uso and uh, to honor my dad Yeah, well, I'm sure you can, man. Um, you know, where's the, where there's a will, there's a way, and uh, you know, you, you just actually um, get a hold of me when we get off this conversation. I I know somebody you can get a hold of, at least about who does that kind of. Stuff. The thing is, what you have to do, and what 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 we should do if we wanted to do that stuff is, uh, you have to go, you have to approach this one military. Um, I don't know who books it or anything. I'm I'm kind of talking out my ass because I just know somebody who does them. Um, but she was saying that you you have to uh, have like a group of people, like a, a theme kind of a thing. Um, we oh, we gotcha. we should we should do something called the Crackers of Comedy and have it be me, you, and two black guys, just to con just to confuse the shit out of people. Just to confuse the shit out of people. Yeah, call it just the Crackers of Comedy. Two white guys and two black guys. People are like, what the fuck is this? Like, don't worry about it, you racist piece of shit. 
Yeah, well, uh, hope we get to work together again soon. Uh, I need to probably wrap this up. I got some shit to do, but uh, is there anything you want to plug or anything, buddy? Yeah, you're a road warrior. Matt's always somewhere, so uh, go check out his stuff and find out where he's going to be. Uh, he's all over the country, and uh, we really appreciate you uh, being on here and, and taking the time to do it, buddy. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it, Tim. Stay in touch, and uh, yeah, let's try to get something going together. Cool. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Be safe. All right, see you, pal. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was my friend Matt Holt. Um, make sure and check him out. Um, he's on social media, all the places he mentioned, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Very funny guy. 20-year um, vet veteran of comedy. And uh, those people really need to be supported. And it's getting harder and harder for, for good comics to, uh, to get noticed in this day and age. It's just, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, go to TimGatherComedy.com, check out my tour dates, I've got some stuff coming up, uh, MakingItHappen.com. This weekend I will be in Springfield, Missouri, doing the Reggae uh, Festival with my buddy Josh Heinrichs, and I believe it's called Skillinja, and the Zach Mufafsa van, I'm fucking up their name too. But it's the Springfield Reggae Festival. I'm going to be hosting it and doing some comedy in between the acts. I'm going to bring bring up the acts and... Uh, We'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then I'm going to be at the Richmond Funny Bone. And then I've got a little bit of time off, which I'm looking forward to, because I am uh, taking care of some business around here. Anyway, uh, you guys are great for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure you give us positive ratings and all that stuff. And uh, thanks for listening, as always. God bless all of you. Bye.
I don't want 